Welcome everybody to the Monthly Movie Dispatch. We get together every month and we talk about what movies we've seen, what we recommend, and what to avoid. What separates us from the other 100,000 movie-related shows is that we're high school friends, and we've been discussing movies for 15 years. We love film, and we'll be talking about it even if no one's listening. So, I'm here. I'm Nick Moffat. We've got Brandon Bowlby. Hello. Uh, Sean Bowlby. Hey. And uh, Derek. Hello. Uh, how's it going, guys? You ready to talk about some movies? Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, so we've got four movies to talk about today uh, that came out around Christmas. Um, we're basically going right into the end of the year here. Um, I'm really excited about our schedule coming up. So just to give you everyone, the listeners, a quick heads up, uh, we're doing this episode and then we're going to do another episode of the, some of the big kind of critic movies that are coming out like right around now. And then we'll do our top 10. A lot of other shows are doing their top tens right, right now, but you know, we're real people and our movie, our movies, the critic movies just aren't available yet. So we're doing our top 10. We want to be honest about it. We want to see the movies and make a real pick about what our top 10 of the year is. So our movie calendars, it's not slight is just slightly off. You know, it's not based on the year 2020. It's more of the movie schedule 2020. So yeah, we're still in the 2020 year, even though we're we don't really get screeners. Right now. So yeah, we're not uh, we're not critics. We're uh, normies, mm-hmm. I guess. But uh, you know, critics didn't get uh, screeners for Wonder Woman. Actually, uh, a lot of people did get screeners for Wonder Woman. So what am I talking <laughs> about? But either way, uh, that's one of the movies that we're talking about today. Uh, that's actually going to be the first movie we talk about today. So let's just jump right into it, guys. We got a lot to say about these four movies. Um, because actually, one of our movies is actually more like five movies. Or two movies. We'll get to that one later. But so Wonder Woman's first. Uh, Derek, uh, that was your pick yes. for uh, this episode. Do you want to jump us off with Wonder yes. Woman? Yes. Um, so the plot synopsis is a new era of wonder begins. Wonder Woman comes into conflict with Soviet Union during Cold War in the 1980s and finds a formidable foe by the name of the Cheetah. Um. So, I was a really big fan of the the first Wonder Woman. I thought it was really good and really surprising how good it was. Like, um, it's it's one of my favorite. It's it's up there in the upper echelon of superhero movies for me. So I was really excited for this one. Um, Patty Jenkins returns as the director. Gal Gadot, obviously, Wonder Woman, and Chris Pine. Chris Pine's back. Uh, What I Liked this movie's getting like a lot of crap. Like people really shitting on it a lot. But I thought overall, I really enjoyed the movie from start to finish. I had a lot of fun. Um, I didn't find many lulls in it. Um, I know a lot of people were talking about it was like just a really boring movie altogether. But I thought it was really charming. Um, I liked the look and feel of it. It was like a complete reversal from the first movie, which is like a, you know, a gray war movie, you know? Um, and this one was like the opposite. It was like super, super vibrant, colorful, um, 1980s, like it very, it very much fit in like that tone of 1980s, like comic books. It's like really a lot of cheese and a lot of just like, you know, heroic 
acts just for the sake of, you know, showing a hero being heroic. And, uh, which is something the DC movies lack because for some reason they don't like to show their heroes being heroic. So, um, I like that a lot. And, I would, uh, I would even go as far as to say that Marvel suffers from that as well. Yeah. I think like Wonder Woman is kind of the, the first one did the, did it as well. But, um, this one, especially it really focused on pretty much every action scene focused on her protecting people and, right. And uh, yeah, yeah, really focused. I think on the they people. made a conscious choice of that after uh, after BVS. Yeah, and like mm-hmm. I feel like it was around that time where yeah, like 2016, where there were a bunch of movies coming out where the heroes weren't being heroic. <laughs> yeah, and like the whole industry kind yeah. of took a shift and mm-hmm. tried to make the heroes even be Man more of like, Steel. Like when yeah. Superman was like blowing up all the buildings and yeah, killing thousands of yeah. people. Yeah, <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, so I liked all that about it. Um, I mean, the movie's not without issues. Like, it's it's a really bland story. Like, there's not a lot of... There's just not a lot there. It's kind of a MacGuffin, like, chase, you know? Uh, but I think that the four leads, um, especially Kristen Wiig and Pedro Pascal, um, I thought, like, they're just so charming and charismatic. Like, I just loved every scene they were in. And it was cool seeing Kristen Wiig, like, do something completely different than she's ever done before. And, like, I thought she was stealth, like, she was really good. And I really bought her as the cheetah. And um, I don't know. I kind of maybe wish they took the ending fight scene in a little different direction with, like, the CGI. It wasn't terrible, but it just, like. The cheetah fight scene? Yeah, mm-hmm. like yeah. the full full on final form. That was a bit rough. Do you think it would have been? Yeah. Do you think it would have been better on the big screen? That was kind of what I was like leaving. It thinking. could have like, been. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was just. I think the biggest problem with that fight scene for me was that you're. I agree. The whole movie was very vibrant and colorful, yeah. except for mm-hmm. that it's scene. Like, like that scene was so yeah. gray. Yeah. Yeah. There wasn't really it, too much creative choreography in that scene. Like they didn't really do much. No, I mean, for for a climactic battle, like it kind of felt like on all fronts, they kind of kind failed of, there, and it also felt like it was off, kind of doing its own thing, like unrelated to yeah, a lot of other true. things that were going on. Yeah, and and it is like a great example of like their issues with the plot in this movie because like like I don't even fully understand what the art like the point of the armor and stuff was in this movie. Yeah, it like they, came they made it went. seem like it was a big deal, but like yeah. literally she puts it on, it immediately gets destroyed and then we just move on. Yeah. It's, I feel like there were a, it, as big no of a deal relevance. as it was, it saved her an extra eight seconds of yeah. time being alive. <laughs> right. yeah. I feel like there was a few of those kind of bizarre decisions. Like they made the, uh, that decision, put it in the movie, shot it. And it just like, for what, what did that do? Like there was that one. Yeah. Um, uh, there was, uh, oh my God, I'm Blake. Oh yeah. The, the, um, her magical invisibility powers just kind of showed up, came and went. Um, the, I mean, I thought, I think though, like the the one thing about those is that was a bit more of like a, uh, uh, a ref, like a ref, like, you know, Marvel does it too, where they just put in little references to like the comic books Mm -hmm. and like, like she faints. I marked out. 
Yeah, like she famously has like an invisible jet. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, so I'm like hard at the invisible jet. I was like, <laughs> I thought that was pretty cool. I mean, I don't know. Like, it was really cheesy. It was really cheesy, but it would have only worked. I mean, in this it movie, did make me laugh. You know, that scene like did a, make me laugh, where I, she's like, oh, "I tried it on a on a coffee cup once." And he's the like, bigger what one happened? you I were trying find to think of, Sean, is her flying, and like, it's yeah, so yeah, obvious that they should have used the flying like in the final cheetah fight sequence but yeah. like they didn't even you know have a comeback for any yeah. kind of reason was she flying what do you well, what did you guys think? i don't know like i've heard the like i always thought that she had like some sort of writing lightning thing i thought that was like a wonder woman thing but i don't really know because yeah, like she to be keeps connected flying to the after the light <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So I don't really. Yeah. Fully I don't think understand she. I don't think she was, was really flying. I think she was kind of like. Yeah. She was like kind of yeah, swooping out of the clouds. Yeah. I was that. kind of on the fence know. about it when I was watching. I thought first I was like, oh, okay, I guess she's just she's just kind of falling with style, and then <laughs> like I, there was a, a couple moments where I was like, okay, she's definitely flying here, but then yeah. afterwards I saw some reviews and it sounded like most people weren't thinking that she was flying. Does she was, fly? She was just. She, I know no. she, she... Is that a power yeah, of hers? Um, she does fly in the DCAU in Justice League and okay. Justice League Unlimited for DCAU. Does but I don't, she? Yeah, she definitely does. Um, but I think that's just mostly for story convenience and things like that. But I don't think she's ever... F- as far as my limited knowledge goes... Uh, right, well, I none of us are like experts on, really on Wonder Woman. Um, we're not, we're not experts yeah. on it. Yeah. So I don't know, but I did here or there. I did, you know, that didn't necessarily take me out of the movie or anything. Um, I just kind of chalked that up to me not knowing enough about the character. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I think like the movie just overall was just probably a little too big, too long. Um, and it suffered from a, some, plot devices and issues that just like kind of pull you out at certain times. Like the, uh, there's the whole Chris Pine, like mm-hmm. occupying some guy's like body, mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah, just a weird decision. It's such a weird thing because it's so, but it, but it like None has no bearing. It has no bearing on well, the story. And like they so easily could have just not done that. Like, well, and for a character that you place so much, like so much of her characters on her like values and like her, like, it's such a weird thing to be like, oh, but that she's okay with. Yeah. It's like, what? Well, just because the of love. Was, the thing is though, like, uh, you know, she, she, I don't, I think the, I think the subtext of the movie though was that like, she shouldn't have been okay with it, you know, right. and she got wrapped up in it because of love. Which why, I think why, is, why you know, would they a character have trait. that be the subtext? It seems like so front and center. It should have been like, hey, I'm like occupying, or he's like occupying this guy's body. This guy has a right to live too. That should be a part of her dilemma. Why would it be in the subtext? Well, I mean, uh, or I, mean I don't know. Uh, but yeah, like they're, they're just they're, like Derek said, I think I think Derek makes a great point there that there was just too much going on in this yeah. movie. Like there was like four movies in yeah. this movie. Whereas like if they had just chosen one of them and done it like really well, then you would have had like another classic yeah. here. Like the first one, like I rewatched the first one and 
I mean, the first one kind of has the same thing going on a little bit, but not really, because in the first one, it's like More she focused. thinks that the God of War is going to is is destroying everything. But really, it's World War One. But then but then the, the trick, though, is that it really was the really the God of War is there and mm-hmm. she has to fight the big bad at the end. And this one, it's like there there are four different movies that are happening. Mm-hmm. There's there's Cheetah. There's uh whatever uh, the MacGuffin is with um, Pedro Pascal. And then there's the romance and there's just, mm-hmm. there's a lot going on in this movie. So, you know, the whole, the whole thing with the MacGuffin and him uh, turning into Chris Pine, <laughs> turning into some other guy's body is, is very strange. But I think like the point is that everything that people wished for was, was incorrect mm. and, you know, was a poor choice and yeah. you know, she got wrapped up in it, but you know, she did you know, she she did make the right choice halfway through. Yeah. But I, I will I'll say um, I went into this movie, you know, fairly excited for a, a fun, big action movie. Uh, and it, but I had also like seen how the reviews of this movie kind of tanked after those first initial positive reviews. So I was a little kind of weary going into it. But I'll say like we me and Kelly were watching it and like halfway through the movie, we paused it and you know, I went to the bathroom or something and we came back. I'm like, she goes, I'm actually really liking this movie. And I was like, me too. Like, it's so much fun. Like that first half of this movie is just a ton of fun. And like the action scenes in that first half are really awesome. And like, it's, it's just like Kristen Wiig is really fun uh, and funny. And yeah, Steve Rogers and is really good. And I even think like, Gal Gadot. I think Gal Gadot is actually better in this movie than she was in the first one. I thought she's like, really she good. Gal Gadot. Really, Gal Gadot is amazing. Yeah. She's like transcendent in the as yeah. in this. I thought role. she like, like really inhabited Wonder Woman in this movie, whereas like the first she's one she a was a little for real, a little uh, maybe a little clunky. But um, yeah, but in the end, I guess like ultimately, um, I don't know if I would actually recommend this movie to anyone. Like if, if someone like sees it and really enjoys it, I'd be right on board with them for that. Um, but I don't know if I could actually give my stamp of approval on the movie, uh, as a whole. Yeah. I mean, I hear you. And I mean, like, I, I think I generally agree. I mean, I was pretty much sold on having a good time with this movie after that first opening fight in the Mm -hmm. mall. Me too. You know, like that scene was so, that is so awesome and silly. Mm -hmm. Like it was so silly. And I was, you know, like, I love how comic book movies have evolved and they're all like really, you know, serious now. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of, uh, great stuff with you know i you know you guys know me like i love comic book movies yeah Yeah, you know but i also think there is a place for very 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 silly Mm -hmm. comic book movies i mean the concept the comic books are generally pretty silly i mean these guys are just dressed in tights jumping over buildings and stuff and that opening scene to me really really Mm -hmm. caught that like and even like 80s silly patty jenkins credit like those first two shots of wonder woman there's like a shot, you know, there's like the car barreling, barreling down the street and then just kind of out of nowhere, a foot like comes and kicks the, yeah. kicks the car. Mm-hmm. And then she just, it like spins or comes to a stop. And then she just kind of whooshes right in front of the camera. And it was just those two really effective shots that I was like, okay, I know exactly what this movie is. I'm totally on board for it. And, yeah. and, so, and I think she delivered like, I, really well in, in, yeah. in a lo- for a lot of the movie. 
I think it kind of, I mean, I agree though, Sean, I think it kind of lost its way a little mm-hmm. bit and, you know, I don't know, like I'm probably not going to buy this movie on Blu-ray, you know, and I don't think it's going to take me a while to rewatch it. I think if I do rewatch it, it'll be like just to be in awe of Gal Gadot and like also Pedro mm-hmm. Pascal and like, I just kind of want to enjoy the performances, <laughs> but you know, I don't think that like it was a great movie, but I definitely had a lot of fun mm-hmm. with it. Um, Q Brandon yeah, uh, I mean, and his, uh, <laughs> brownie face. Oh God, the movie is go. to me, it's pretty like fine and watchable, and there's good and okay stuff. Like I totally agree with you, Sean. Up until they get on the plane um, in the back of the museum, like up until they go to Egypt to to MacGuffin, as Derek said, the rest of the movie, um, it it just instantly like gets really rough. Like very quickly, um, I was one thing you guys haven't mentioned that I really liked um, is uh, Pedro Pascal. Um, his acting and performance mm. is awesome in this movie, and he's like so into it yeah. and so dedicated yeah. to that character. And <laughs> I kind of also like just the storyline and who that character is. Like I was pretty on board as a villain. Like I thought he had a great build up for a good chunk of that first half too, mm-hmm. and like that was just my favorite part. such a fake in like. Yeah, he, he was such, such a, a like, fake loser. His, you know, he, like, yeah. his like him trying to like, like swindle all those like rich yeah, guys yeah. into like giving him business, and um, I also liked what his power was. It was kind of interesting that like it would actually affect the real world and like um, grant their wishes, but like in real ways that were actually like mm-hmm. within I don't know the context of reality. It wasn't mm-hmm. like literally a magic genie coming in. It was like cops would come in and then arrest the person for fraud, you know, and things like mm-hmm. that. I thought it was that, that was clever. It's kind of playing with fate or something. Yeah. With yeah. fate. Exactly. Um, but yeah, it takes a hard turn when they go to Cairo, like hard, hard turn. And I, when I was watching that first action sequence of the second half, like I was just kind of blown away at how much they dropped the bomb on like choreography and just showing you anything interesting or creative. Um, and I think a big disappointment is, you mentioned it, Derek, is really what Gail Godot goes through in the second half of the movie. It is just this like weird chase where she doesn't really think of anything or learn anything or like she just follows him. You know, she goes to Egypt, runs into him on the highway. She goes to the White House, runs into him in the lobby and then goes to the mountain and runs into him there. Like there's kind of no like <clears throat> discovery for why or how she's like learning new things or moving along in this adventure. She just kind of like appears in each location as he mm-hmm. moves to each location. Um, yeah. And it just didn't really make for an exciting like chase because, you know, it was just the most straightforward a chase could possibly be. Mm-hmm. And that's, that was most of the second half of the movie. Um, yeah. And then mixed with the, uh, the cat fight sequence was another letdown. But mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, the action well, definitely was um, subpar for for Wonder Woman for the first one. Um, although there were really some fun, like, so a handful of fun sequences. Like I think it seems like everything's kind of there for a movie that would work, but they just kind of don't. Like MacGuffin Chase is fine, like especially in a superhero movie. Like Infinity Wars, awesome. You know, that's all that movie is. It's just they're chasing MacGuffins the whole movie, and so like. Um, it's just, yeah, for, you know, it's like, you got to nail that, 
that like like he said like the character arc which it and that's is there also i just think they just so lightly touch on it that it just doesn't quite work like that I, I scene mean, when the, she does give up you know spo- spoilers i don't know if we're worried about spoilers but like you know when she takes back her wish but like i thought that was like a good mm-hmm. it was well done yeah like that scene i got a little great. choked up in that scene yeah for sure and like her acting great. like every yeah, it was just great but it just doesn't like that that doesn't that feeling didn't really carry on mm-hmm. to the film. It was like a little early yeah, too, like, a little too early for the movie yeah. as well. Like yeah. should have, like that should have been the climax yeah. or something, right? Like that should have been Built like up the, the, the big moment or mm-hmm. something. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the, I think, yeah, I, I think what big problem with the movie that you guys haven't mentioned is how inconsistent the, the powers were, you know, I mean, Brandon, that, I mean, yeah. I, I agree that it was cool that they incorporated real life stuff into it, but like there wasn't really like a frame of oh. of what uh, he could do. Yeah, all of a sudden, you know, it was the like, world's like in ruins and it didn't really show the development very creatively, like or the scenarios yeah, people were and, getting themselves into. I mean, it was pretty interesting how like everyone made their wish, then the world falls apart. Like that is kind of a interesting concept, but like it just there could have been more like table. Set, For example, you know? Nick, and, like at the at the end when everyone's you know doing their wish and he's like taking something from it, and then he like gets like force powers. Yeah, so he should like, isn't like he, you're yeah. supposed to be taking something for the entire rest of the movie. He's taking something that someone else has, except for in that part, he's like taking force powers from people. And that was that was a strange. It's like uh, Dragon Ball Z when he does the spirit bomb. He's just yeah. taking the spirit from people. Yeah, and I mean, turns into uh, <laughs> but that's physical not, energy. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, is yeah. that the, But, you know, yeah, just. Yeah, the movie, again, I think it comes back around to it was just yeah. trying to do too much where like they could have taken, you know, Derek's right. I, I agree with Derek that the movie has all everything's there. It's just like convoluted mm-hmm. because they're trying to do like yeah. four stories and at if, the same time. If we're not running out of too, too much running out of time right now, the themes like just bringing up the themes like they were so muddled as well, like b- like from that opening, like action, like the the race sequence that she Maybe did as a, as a kid, Maybe too explicit. Well, in the, like she when she says it, it's a little too explicit. But like, there's a there's a, several different themes that they like kind of briefly touch on, and that um, don't really kind of culminate in the end. And it's like all this stuff about truth and truth is. I don't know. Truth like from that opening sequence, like like when um, Robin Wright like grabs her in after the race, and she's like, "No, it's truth is too important." Or, I don't even. I don't it's even. It's a very weird she speech. Like, she yeah, it was really gets her daughter. Really strange. And uh, so yeah, just her, the, I don't. I guess I don't want to get too into it at this point. But like, there was the themes were like all over the place. Didn't really come together. Um, but yeah didn't really tie into the story that that um, was going on. That actually seems like it's kind of a normal superhero movie sequel. It's like that tends to happen yeah, on the second it movie. It seems like, like that's what right, people yeah. say. Spider-Man 3, yeah. uh, X-Men, first Batman, uh, first class, uh, the last stand. Batman Returns. The Dark Knight Rises. We need more. Uh, Batman Returns need is more. pretty awesome. <laughs> 
Um, but <laughs> it's pretty well. actually this this actually was pretty similar to me with Batman Returns, just with uh, how crazy the two bad guys were. Like mm. both of them were kind of similar characters with Batman Returns. Uh, I, I I don't know. Maybe it was just me watching. Yeah. Honestly, I haven't I haven't seen Batman Returns, but it, I've seen several reviews where people talk about like how similar even. Uh, Kristen Wiig's character arc is to yeah. Catwoman's. Very similar. Very similar. Yeah, that tr- never that's like the true. No, I haven't. Okay, next time I win uh, one of our contests. Hey, guys. Right. Um, <laughs> Just Aquaman or Wonder Woman 2? Aquaman. Yeah, Aquaman. Aquaman. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen it. Aquaman does the cheese better. I think. Yeah. Sell it way better. Yeah. But, yeah. I don't know though. I might. I might be more inclined to watch Wonder Woman eighty four again. Actually, honestly, I don't know. I just like Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman that much. I can't wait so, to see her I, like I, emerge into the film industry soon. I hope mm-hmm. she's been doing Wonder Woman one, Justice League, Wonder Woman two. She was in a handful of movies here and there. She was a f- like a, a Fast and Furious lead for a little while. Oh, yeah. that was a while. Okay. All right. She was yeah. She's been in a few other like action comedies too. But yeah. I do think yeah. that we should move on. Yeah. Um, we could sit here and bitch a little bit while longer, but uh, you know we should just move on to the next movie. Um, anyway, that's Wonder Woman eighty four. We all watched it on uh, HBO Max, part of HBO's new thing where they uh, are showing Warner Brothers movies same time as they're released in theaters but um by the time this airs it won't be on hbo max anymore because i think oh, they're really? only doing it for 30 yeah they're only doing them for 30 oh, days i didn't know that that's yeah, like, like i was gonna say thing. that's the one reason i would recommend this movie because it's like if you have hbo like it's a free blockbuster mm-hmm. you can just watch at home yeah it's like yeah that's actually part yeah. i was encouraging people to watch it for the same reason i was like come on watch it hbo you know it's just on hbo yeah. and, and is it really worth my time well, if you're asking that question, then maybe maybe it isn't, you know. But um, okay, so uh, we're gonna move on to my pick, my movie pick for uh, for the month, and that was the new Pixar movie uh, Soul. Um, real quick, I'm gonna read the plot summary from Letterboxd, and whoa, geez, uh, it's kind of long. Um, okay, uh, going for it. Uh, Joe Gardner is a middle school teacher with a love for jazz music. After a successful gig at the half note club, he, he suddenly gets into an accident that separates his soul from his body and is transported to the U seminar, a center in which souls develop and gain passions before being transported to a newborn child. Joe must enlist help from the other souls in training like 22, a soul who has spent cons in the youth seminar in order to get back to earth. I think I picked the wrong, uh, plot summary guys. That was pretty long and wordy, <laughs> mm-hmm. but basically, I mean, we've seen it. The movie is like Joe dies like pretty quick early on in the movie. He, uh, gets a gig at a club and then on his way home, he dies. And then on his way to the afterlife, he kind of swindles his way into another part of, you know, the great beyond where souls are getting ready to go to earth. And he works with another soul, who doesn't want to go to earth to, um, to get to earth, you know, but the, the whole thing with the movie is, um, 22, the soul that he's kind of trying to help get him back to his body. Um, she doesn't have a spark for life, you know? So the whole idea with the movie is that in, in the pre-life or whatever, they, uh, you need to have a, a spark, to to get you uh inspired and then that's like your ticket to go 
onto earth and, um, presumably like enjoy that spark or, or whatever. And, um, as the movie goes along, it has a lot of themes about like purpose and, um, you know, why people like the things that they like and, um, just, um, you know, the, the finding enjoyment out of life, out of life as well. And, um, I don't know guys, I, I thought this movie was pretty great. Um, I, uh, it was one of those Pixar movies, you know, there's, there's like Pixar is the best Pixar is like the best studio animation studio. And you know how they do it. There's, there's different kinds of Pixar movies. There's like the lower level Pixar movies like cars or a good dinosaur. There's their big franchises that have a lot of heart, like toy story or finding Nemo. And then there's like, they're like more surreal, like deep thought, uh, movies like inside out and this one soul Wally too. Um, Coco. Yeah. And, um, you know, so with this one, uh, I mean, I think the plot, this one is most similar to inside out because I mean, it's straight up like, you know, inside out it, the characters are emotions where this one, the 22 is straight up like a spirit. So, um, and then the, the concept of this movie is playing a lot with the afterlife and the pre-life and all of that. And, um, you know, I thought that, I thought this movie was pretty great and it made me, it made me think a lot, you know, and I, I feel like there were a lot of things, the themes of this movie were like echoing out around, around my life at the right, at the same time this movie came out. Um, we were, it just kept coming up these, the themes from this movie. And that was really cool to think about. There's this concept in the movie where, um, they call it the zone and it's, it's the concept of when you're like really into something, like if you're playing music or, or, doing something that inspires you and you kind of lose yourself and then you're, you're in the, you're in the zone and they, um, they have the zone as like a literal thing that spirits go to. And it's, it's like a perfect example of animation, like the power that animation has to capture and create like a concept like that. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I thought that was just brilliant. Um, I thought that the, the story was, was really good, but maybe not like as great as it could have been, you know, the, some, I, I, I don't even really truly know what it was, but it didn't, it didn't make me cry. You know, and that's one of the things I don't know with Pixar movies where like, I don't know if it doesn't make me cry, then <laughs> that's, you know, that's to Pixar's credit. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's just one of those things where, yeah, like it just, it, it didn't make me cry. And so I just feel like there were, a li- there were, there was a little bit, I feel like the themes sometimes didn't fully connect with the, with the plot of the, of the movie. Um, like the plot was going along, but maybe it was the fact that I just didn't really get to know Pete that well. Um, maybe it was the or talking cat. But... Talking cat. <laughs> Yeah. Oh yeah, he wasn't yeah. talking. He turned into a talking cat really? at some point. Yes, but um, Joe, I'm sorry, Joe. Um, I don't know why I said Pete. Doctor, doctor, director, 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 director. Yeah. So um, yeah, well, I mean, what did you guys think? Uh, you know, opening up to you guys. But do you do you agree with what I'm talking about? That the the plot didn't fully connect with the themes. Did the themes hit you guys as hard as they hit me? Um, what say you? Yeah, I mean, I thought I didn't really have any. Um, qualms with the plot at all um it's actually like they they do a similar like 
trick in this movie that they've done in other movies before and it hasn't worked as well um i don't know like we're spoiling the talking cat thing like they've done that they've literally done that almost the same thing in a different movie and it did not work for me at all brave is what i'm talking about Mm, and like um in this movie i thought like that that whole like part of the story which ends up being a pretty big chunk of the movie worked really well and um Oh, speaking of talking cat. <laughs> yeah. And like, I loved, I, I thought that whole story, like, I just, I really thought it was going to be more like inside out where it all takes place. And like that after like, you know, the soul. World. And so that like, well, first of all, I love like Pixar's animations. Incredible. incredible. And, and yeah. in doing like the real world stuff, which there's so much of it in this movie was like the coolest I loved seeing that in like inside out when you get to see like some of San Francisco you're like oh that's so cool like because they're just animation is just so unique and so awesome and this movie like mostly takes place in that world so it's just constantly like visual amazingness Mm -hmm. everywhere you look and so getting to them finding a way to tell like that kind of a story and show off all that animation consistently throughout the movie was just like so exciting it's so engaging and um yeah and yeah i thought i mean i know like right after we finished it, i looked at christina and i was like like that wasn't a movie for kids really at all like it's just a <laughs> like it's very much directed at adults mm-hmm. um not not in like a edgy way but in like that's the story they wanted to tell was a more serious story, you know, about yeah, it's, like, it's an adult, like looking back at his life and it's right. I mean, yeah. I'm sure kids can take lessons from that, but yeah. And they find way, I feel like the, kids aren't going to identify with, with what he's going through. Right. This ex- existential crisis uh-huh. that he's like <laughs> trying to figure out, mm-hmm. but, but you know, they do kind of the reverse thing that they do in most of their movies where in this one, they make it, um, kids can still enjoy it because it's Pixar and they make good looking movies and fun movies and you know, they're cute and there's like, you know, Phoenix has like a soul like toy and stuff like that. Mm. And so it's like, there's still, it's still accessible for children is what I'm saying. And it's just kind of a, I don't think they've really done that uh, to this extent before. Mm-hmm. And I just, yeah, definitely. That's kind of an accomplishment in its own, I think. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think I think we I think we should say like what the existential concept like crisis really is. And that's like if I died tomorrow. Right. Uh, you wrote that in the show notes. Derek, yeah. uh, if I if I died tomorrow, would I be like happy? You know, like would I be satisfied mm-hmm. or whatever? Yeah. And that's like that's um you know, that's something that adults think about or or me, me, should think about or whatever. Right. Like, or the, should maybe live their life. I mean, I would say just the idea that. of like. Of, I mean, the meaning of life and uh, what is purpose? What is, yeah. do you need purpose? Is that something that you need in order to live a happy life? Or is that just something that we've made up? And uh, like, right. is eating a pizza pizza and just enjoying it? Yeah. Enough, <laughs> yeah. You know? Exactly. And, uh, yeah. Maybe. Yeah. yeah you know, it's <laughs> pretty good. <laughs> like, enjoying, yeah. enjoying life is uh, kind of a purpose, yeah. you know? And, um, um, but yeah, I mean, the, I, the themes really worked for me for this movie. Um, I, I definitely kind of agree that the story was a little bit messy sometimes, especially 
when it, um, you know, they kind of jump into that cat, uh, the talking cat stuff. Uh, I was pretty thrown by that decision and, um, but I got over it fairly quickly. Um, but yeah, the themes just worked so well and, and I have to give them, them credit for how they ended this movie. I'm not going to, not going to say how they ended it, but like that ending shot and just like how the way that they go out, um, in that moment is pretty brilliant. And honestly, like, shows so much maturity for the director, for the filmmakers and the the studio that they would be willing to do that. Um, it's honestly like, it, it's a pretty, um, it, it's one of those things where you don't even necessarily, you don't go out necessarily completing the story, but you complete the, the idea, like you complete your, the essay that you are, um, that you're writing and that's how you go out on the movie. It's a complete, really you, mature you, ending for a yeah, Pixar it's, film. It, totally. It's, it was really impressive. Um, and like, um, the, for how mature this movie is, the, the visuals of like, is obviously their most abstract movie visually, but like, yeah. I was just constantly blown away by, the the creative ways that they show the afterlife and like you know like expressionist um you know when when he falls through the ground and trent reznor's score like comes up and that pulsating so good so creative i didn't even know trent reznor did the score for this movie (laughs) that's amazing yeah the animation design wow uh, they just like I don't know. It just turns in the most like experimental shit for like mm-hmm. several minutes straight. I couldn't believe they yeah. went for that. It's so cool. Yeah, Are you talking like about a, when he falls through the yeah like, the ground to go? Yeah, through yeah, the yeah, yeah. A lot of this movie yeah. could straight up just be in an art house cinema, like expressionist film. Yeah. A couple, another couple, few scenes like that that blew my mind was his like jazz scene when he's doing his tryout mm. and he loses himself in that moment yeah. and the background fades away and all these beautiful colors come up on the screen mm-hmm. uh that and that was kind of the first time they like they stepped outside of the, like the bounds of reality um and that was just such a great way to show yeah. um, his passion and his um uh, his solo in that moment um yeah, yeah i think this this is like one of the best directed Pixar movies for all those reasons. Like they're really not afraid to go out on a limb visually Mm -hmm. and stylistically. And I think the way it opens in such a conservative way until he falls down that drain pipe is like, it's such a straightforward, like interesting film on its own about this guy trying to be a musician. And it's, I, from that moment with him in the class and um, teaching his students, like I was Really, really did, impressed from the. Did get-go. you guys catch any similarities between this movie and um, uh, the forty-year-old version? We, oh, I was definitely mm, like throughout yeah. this movie, I was kind of having, you know, touch. It was touching yeah. on similar ideas and very, themes, yeah, yeah, and like, yeah, I can see that about mm-hmm. a, you know, someone, a, a, an artist who's questioning their entire, you know, what they've done with their life and in their forties, kind yeah, of thing. Their, yeah, yeah. Um, being like uh, both teachers, yeah, yeah, both teachers. Instead of being like, oh wow, being the thing yeah. that they yeah. want to be, <laughs> like they're both teaching instead, and the kids are maybe into it, maybe not mm-hmm. into it. 
Um, I want, but man, I mean, I don't know, that whole thing was like pretty inspiring where there was that one girl who got like super into yeah. it and she entered the zone, yeah. you know, before you really know what the zone yeah, is that was really and cool. every, all the other kids make fun of her and he's like, no, 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 no. Yeah. And like, that, she, that explanation that he gives that whole like yeah. monologue in that scene was brilliant. Just like sent chills down my spine. It's so good. You guys have touched on a few of the things that didn't work. I think one um, thing that a lot of Pixar movies do and like a big job of Pixar movies is just covering this up is when they have to just go into like straight up exposition of world building because they need to like establish so much in this movie, like so much new stuff that they need to cover. And it takes them a long time to get to the cat like actual adventure of the film and mm-hmm. there's a good half hour before that where it's just like they're just checking off boxes of things you know that are going to come up later mm-hmm. um and yeah. i think it was a little a little clunky because it's just like literally yeah. someone walking through and telling this person about everything that they need to know um and it's just one after another and it just kept going on and on um and that kind of took yeah, me out I, of it I for hear, a little bit i thought I yeah that. That maybe inside out had the same responsibility and maybe did it a little smoother. I feel like inside out did it a little better, like throughout the story, like when they, they did a much better job of like holding off until they get to that part of the story. And then they explain it or convey what they need to visually um, so that it, it all makes sense. But whereas this one was just kind of all in one block. Yeah, right. definitely. Well, the thing the thing that this movie did creatively during the exposition was the like spirit counselors, mm-hmm. like the the Jerry's. Yeah. That was pretty um, funny. Just that concept was really funny to me. Yeah. Like I, I thought they were really funny. And then there was the accountant that was like <laughs> yeah. trying to was, trying to track him down. Was the uh, Taika like, Waititi the regular. Off. The she was um she was like um the grandmaster's the, um, right hand woman in uh thor ragnarok and thor, right. she was the cop in the social social security yeah. not social security yeah. the social services yeah. person in uh the hunt for yeah. older oh, people wow. oh okay yeah yeah i know her um, but um yeah i thought that was so mm-hmm. funny that was that really got me yeah th- and that's the thing about this movie is that i think that the i think that the themes are extremely powerful and i really meant to rewatch this movie um and uh, I, I just didn't get around to it um, because it, I think it's one of those movies I think is going to go up in my taste um, over time because I'm sure I'm going to rewatch mm-hmm. it. I mean, I'm probably going to rewatch it before we do our top 10. And uh, but even so, like, I think I'm just going to like this movie. I think it has legs for me and my taste. And, um, you know, I just I think that the thing about it is that the plot doesn't always isn't just as strong as as the themes are because the themes are extremely strong but um you know um first viewing often i get stuck on the plot you know i get like "Eh, the plot was okay but then you know with repeated viewings you get further and further smooths out the the, the edges concepts and yeah and it's hard to be mad when there's so much to like as Mm -hmm. well yeah yeah so um I don't know. I really enjoyed this one. I thought this was great. And, you know, I think it's upper tier Pixar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Not sure how high yet. Yeah. Like personally, I prefer it. Has anyone out, put it on their Pixar but... list yet? Oh, I haven't thought about it. Been so bold. I still think Coco I think I... for their new ones would be higher for me as well. 
think I liked it more than Inside Out. Ooh. But I think I, I like it more than Coco. I liked Inside I Out like less than, than most Coco. people do. Yeah. I loved Inside Out. I mean, I think Inside Out should be taught at schools, honestly. So <laughs> I like how um, um, Sean and Nick are team Inside Out, and me and Derek have always been team Coco. And yeah. it just yeah, came I'm out definitely. again right then. <laughs> I mean, even Coco. I liked some... Coco. I liked Coco more than Sean. Yeah, I, I kind of wasn't a huge fan of Coco. Yeah, I mean, I remember when we saw Coco. We saw Coco together, Sean. I remember we left, and you were like, "Well, I didn't cry." So <laughs> actually, I I probably didn't say I I may have cried during that movie. Did I say that? During like this that one? scene, the so, re, that remember me that, see, when the boys like you better have cried. Coco. I think I'm pretty sure I cried. <laughs> Or at least came very close to crying. I mean, that yeah, scene I mean, is like so powerful. But overall, yeah. I think like the. Anyways, <laughs> I think this is a better musician movie than Coco for sure. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, we can move on. Uh, you know that that was Soul. Um, it's available on Disney Plus, and it's going to stay on Disney Plus. It's not like Wonder Woman, where it's going to disappear in a few days. Uh, so it will stay on Disney Plus, and uh, I'm assuming it's going to get like a physical release too. But um, yeah, it was uh, they chose to put it right onto Disney Plus. You think so they're that's, that's still going to try to put so. like movies like Soul in theaters once theaters open up, or are they just? You think it's just skipping so. think, it, and moving on? I think they've moved on from Soul in theaters. Um, Disney's pretty set, you know. I mean, we could have a whole episode yeah, about like the state of movie theaters and stuff, right. but it's pretty like it's pretty interesting how um, you know Warner Brothers uh, decided to put all their movies onto HBO Max, um, and there was a huge backlash on it. And then Disney like like just was like, "Hey, uh, we're still gonna be in theaters, and we have an awesome slate." Yeah. And then they released like their slate of Marvel and Star Wars and all the other movies that are coming out, and it's like. Yeah, Warner's kind of screwed. <laughs> so, yeah. um, I miss going to the movies, guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Me too. Um, anyway, uh, so yeah, go, moving on, um, we have something pretty interesting uh, for our final kind of uh, thing. Um, it's kind of hard to explain uh, in terms of like what exactly this is, but um, I, I'm just going to set it up so that we could talk about it. So small acts is, uh, the final thing we're going to be talking about today. And that is the new project by Steve McQueen, who's, uh, famous for doing, uh, 12 years a slave, um, uh, shame, um, hunger, um, bunch of other movies. Yeah. I mean, he won best picture, best director for 12 years a slave. So, I mean, he's like one of the best working directors right now. And small acts was a, uh, anthology series of movies, so he basically released a movie every week for five weeks in a row that went straight on to Amazon Prime. And not all of them are like full lengths. Uh, I think only one or two of them are actually like over 90 minutes. I think but, only one um, is over 90 minutes. The rest are... Two are over like 120. One is over two hours. Okay. So yeah, there's, so there's one, there's one that's over two hours. There's two that are just over 90 minutes. And then the others are like an hour or 70 minutes or something. So, um, <laughs> yeah. So, but they're, they're all movies. Like they're all concerned movies. If you go on Letterbox, they all have their own pages and stuff, uh, different from a uh, mini that have, uh, 
you, know, you go on Letterboxd and they have a miniseries that have has its own entry. These are all individual movies, um, but they kind of revolve around the same theme. You know, the they're all stories that take place in London about uh, people from the West Indies or that the the culture of of those people that are in London, and uh, it, it's kind of, they're all different sides of that experience. You know, there's a story about the relationship with the cops. There's a court story. There's a, there's a big party that they have. There's, um, there's, they're all different angles of the same sort of, um, like culture. That's, uh, that's, and that, that's, that's what it's about. Um, the, I wanted to say really quick that the 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 reference of the title is um, from a proverb uh, that Bob Marley made famous: "If you are the big tree, we are the small axe." So it's kind of like about this culture that is uh, trying to exist or kind of cut into the establishment um, that's kind of keeping them down. So um, with that, um, I don't know. Uh, I watched all f- I watched all five of them. Um, I don't know if all of us did. Um, Derek, I think you only watched the first two. Yeah. Um, Sean, did you guys watch all yeah, five? Yeah, I watched all of them. Okay. So do you guys want to do a rank off of the five? Oh, yeah. Brandon really is eager about this. Uh, <laughs> I'll start then. Okay. You start. okay. So I'm going to go in reverse order. So I'm going to start with the worst. Okay. Five, four, three, two, one. Worst. It, none of these are bad. Um, but I would say starting at the lowest would be Alex Wheatle. Um, and then I'd go education and then I'd come back up to red, white, and blue, then mangrove and then number one being lover's rock drama. Wow. Next. Wow. Uh, Sean, you want to go next? Well, here's the thing. (laughs) It's a go, go, go. Uh, yeah, I know. Um, I just like, I'm, I am apprehensive only because like, the, this series is definitely greater than the sum of its parts. Like all these movies, to, it's it's not something where skip over the weaker ones and just and and watch just the good, you know, like the better Derek ones. Did. Well, not, I mean, hopefully Derek will will continue on them. But like, really, the this whole series works is so fucking brilliant and is like a masterpiece, even though like the weaker ones probably aren't, uh, you know, still are like four star movies for me. But anyways, all I'm going to say is probably education was the, the lowest, the next three, um, red, white, and blue. And what was the, what was the name one? Alex Weedle, Alex Weedle and lovers rock are probably tied for three or tied for two. And then, and then um, Mangrove, Mangrove is number one. See, I Sean, I think I like maybe not with your ranking, but I think I like pretty much like hundred percent agree with you. You know, I mean, in years past, I've been the guy who's like pretty uh, strict, I guess, on like what is a movie. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been the guy who's like, I'm not gonna put OJ Made in America in his top ten because that's not a movie, mm-hmm. even though that was played in movie theaters and uh, Mangrove is or Small Axe wasn't. Mm-hmm. not as a collective play to movie theaters. You know, they did show like Mangrove and Lover's Rock in theaters, but um yeah, uh I don't think that Small Axe as a complete picture was ever in theaters. Mm-hmm. Either way, um I think I'm completely with you. Like it, the the ranking is really hard, but it's almost like it's like pointless because like 
you know, I think the lowest for me was Alex Weedle, and I think I gave that three and a half stars. And the others are like four, four and a half. Like I think Mangrove, uh, I would I would also mm-hmm. give it number one with four and a half. Um, but like like I watched Education last night, and it like blew me yeah. away. Like it tied it tied the whole thing together yeah. for me, you know. And Alex Weedle too. Like like that was mm-hmm. Alex Weedle was the fourth, and that one like that one was like about one guy who like kind of. I mean, he didn't specifically go through all the movies, but he kind of like his story kind of went mm. through a lot of the things yeah, that the other movies were about. And it really like it tied the whole thing together. And I mean, like collectively, it's like five yeah, stars. Easy. For me. Like, you know, yeah, like, I agree. Yeah, like I was four and a half, some fours and a three and a half. And but easily it's a five star series. I'm yeah, I'm giving it. Yeah, totally. In a lot of ways, it kind of reminded me of like the five seasons of The Wire and how it's like all tackling it from different angles, the subject matter and different parts of the city all coming together and how it affects the people in the city. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, if, if you're forcing me to rank it, I think I would do like, yeah, I think I would put Mangrove in one. I mean, I think it's pretty easy to say Lover's Rock at number two, like Lover's Rock. I mean, we're going to get into it. So we're going to spend time talking about Mangrove and Lover's Rock. But I think like, you know, mm-hmm. it's pretty easy to say to Lover's Rock is number two just because it's so specific and great at what it's doing. But like in like Red, White and Blue it would probably be number three. But like. Yeah, that would probably be number three for me, and then number four would be education. I will also say, like, me and Brandon watched education um, first because it was just late mm-hmm. one night. We we're trying to figure out what to watch, and we just were like, this one's 60 minutes or so. And we didn't have two hours. Mm-hmm. It was yeah, too we late. didn't have two hours. So we right. were just we just watched that one because we thought, eh, we'll just – it doesn't sound like it's too important. But I kind of regret that. After watching Alex Weedle and, like, the way that that – story ends I felt um, the same way I wanted yeah I was like ooh yeah and the thing is like education has like the ending yeah you know like the ending of education is like space like I finished education yeah like I was like this is the ending like this is this is this is everything Uh (laughs) and uh yeah, yeah, I mean, I don't sure. think it's like wrong to watch them out of order because yeah. they are all their own movies. But also, I think I think, it, I think it might be more powerful yeah, thematically. Sure. Yeah, if you watch them all in the same order. Let's throw let's throw um, this to Derek real quick. Just to oh yeah, wrap it yeah, up. Derek. My two. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I liked Mangrove more by quite a bit. But okay. um, all right, I lose. Yeah. You're all Mangrovers. <laughs> I'm Lovers Rocker. Well, so um, let's jump into Mangrove. So, Sean, uh, do you want to kick us off with Mangrove? Um, yeah. Uh, Mangrove is uh, a Steve McQueen movie, if you haven't heard yet. Um, uh, the IMDb summary is Mangrove tells the this true story of the Mangrove Nine who clashed with London police in 1970. The trial that followed was the first judicial acknowledgement. Uh, hang on. Okay, I'm not gonna. I'm not actually gonna say that because that's kind of a spoiler. Um, I'm so I'm just gonna say, uh, and it's about the trial that followed, because the yeah. the rest of that IMDb summary, cool. kind of spoils the ending to, to the movie. Um, <clears throat> yeah, um, I guess like what I'd say about the movie, it's it's an absolute honor to watch a Steve McQueen movie. Um, he has such a deft hand and is so knowledgeable and, um, incredible at his craft. Uh, and I'm just, every time I watch a movie of his, I'm utterly blown away 
at the way he tells stories and um, what he does visually with the camera, with with people's faces. And um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I could I could kind of gush over Steve McQueen for a while, but like um, but yeah, this movie uh, Mangrove, it's it, the story just unfolds in such an interesting way. And I really appreciated how how much um, time and and um, time and care was dedicated to establishing the world and establishing the mangrove as an entity and like what it meant to the community and like kind of what the mangrove was and um, and then like how it it slowly like starts to change um, into being a place that was under attack and it was under assault by by the police. Um, and it was, it was just super effective storytelling in that early, those early scenes. Um, and then, yeah, the buildup to the, to the protests and the, the confrontation with the police in the protests. And then like, I, so I didn't, I don't think I knew what the movie was or or even about the trial. I didn't know it was going to be like a courtroom drama. Yeah. I'd never Um, heard. I didn't know the story at all either. Yeah, I didn't do any research on it. And so like, and then when it kind of made that turn to being a courtroom drama, like we kind of went over this in uh, Trial of the Chicago 7, that like courtroom dramas are just absolutely riveting. Um, (laughs) And like, you know, totally unfair to compare it to the uh, Trial of Chicago 7, but like this is what you get when um, you have a really good director um, working with that kind of material. Uh, and the way he shoots those courtroom scenes with just like, um, you know, especially when like they were questioning, uh, or, um, what's the word, you know, questioning the witness up on the stand and like all the little cuts to like the, the, you know, the scratching of the table and like, um, the ups and the way he shoots these, um, really intense, uh, you know, kind of standoffs in this courtroom is pretty brilliant. Um, I mean, you mentioned uh, the, the trial of Chicago seven before, and I know you said like we shouldn't compare yeah. it, but like, but let's it's compare hard not it. to because yeah. it came let's out. So, it. They we came shouldn't out so compare close it, together. And let's the, compare it. The thing, the thing was like, I mean, there, the, I think there's two big comparisons to make, but like, w- one of the big criticisms of the Chicago Seven was that it was like such a Hollywood movie, mm-hmm. like it was, it didn't feel like a real court case because it was so like, so exaggerated to make the movie feel bigger, and, and uh, this was like a real court case, you know, yeah. this was like legitimate like tension, and it felt like it felt very real and authentic mm-hmm. and whereas Just like right big Seems like a good word to describe trial of chicago seven yeah and like so a, a, an example is like whereas trial of chicago seven the ending it like pulls out as eddie redmayne's doing his final thing and there's the hammering of the gavel and you know pulls out and it's big and grandiose in hollywood whereas this one yeah. it just like a slow push in onto mm-hmm. the main character's face and like it's you know this this movie was just so much more powerful and oh, i know we shouldn't crying. compare but like oh god that ending shot yeah, yeah. that ending shot like yeah. almost destroyed me uh yeah. and yeah it's just it's just you shouldn't compare but i think it's there's value to comparing them just in how how good this movie is not even like saying anything bad about 
Chicago seven. Like it, it's just, we're working, we're dealing with a director who's just kind of on another level, um, yeah. in the industry right now. I think that's Absolutely. the fun. That's the fun in comparing them, I guess. Mm. Is like, you know, Trials Chicago seven was Sorkin's like second mm. director. And this is like a master doing a similar thing, you know, in like kind of showing it's just a, it's a fun comparison to be able to mm-hmm. see like the difference in like craft and how much of a difference that makes like subtlety. And, um, like, I don't, the thing that's interesting about Steve McQueen, I think is I was trying to like pinpoint like what, what I think of when I think of a Steve McQueen movie, like what, what is it about him? that like make like you can kind of like that makes you feel like it's a Steve McQueen movie or like what, what makes him different. And, um, I think it's that he like, he's able to take like really realistic things and show them in a very realistic way, but without ever sacrificing like his artistic integrity, you know, and he's, he's like show offy without being flashy. Like mm-hmm. you can yeah, tell he's like, so yeah, like yeah. he's just like, you know what you're seeing is like better than everything else, <laughs> but he's not like in your face about it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's yeah, just it's like, true. he's just but it's all, doing it. It's all just, to serve the story. It's not like, yeah, it's not an indie filmmaker who's trying to, trying to change the world of cinema. It's, it's, he's, right. He's just, yeah. Well, and all the, like all the actors in this movie are incredible too. Like, um, I think that was another thing I wanted to compare with the trial of Chicago seven. Like Sorkin has his like dialogue that he can really kind of carry. He can drive a movie with his dialogue, you know, but this movie like really focuses on just these performances, like carry everything. Like they, it doesn't need to, they don't have to say a whole bunch, you know, cause they just, you know, they show it and they emit all that energy and emotion so well. And um, there's some really good performances mm-hmm. in this movie yeah. that blew me away. I think the the guy who gives the speech in the court, it's not the lead. It's um, no. it's one of the side characters. I'm looking at it's Malachi, Malachi Kirby, Kirby, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And like his performance in this movie, like really stood out to me. Um and mm-hmm. there's even, Sean, you mentioned this in person. We got to talk yeah. about like the scene. Um, it's Letitia Wright, the uh, Shuri from. Yeah, Letitia Wright was like. And from that, uh, Black and Panther. That scene was remarkable. When, when um, the main character kind of says that he's thinking about what, taking a plea bargain or. or, or, or um, what, I forget what he was doing. Similar uh, to a plea bargain. Yeah, something like that. And and um, just, you know, essentially giving up and, and saying, you know, I can't go to prison. I can't, I'm not going to go to prison for this. And like her speech is so powerful and so moving. And like that performance is just like the strength of her character, yet the fact that she she has that moment of, of breaking down and like it's a, it's, it's Steve absolutely remarkable. does it in this one oneer. Yeah, that's for sure. really oh, yeah. perfect yeah. for the moment. Mm-hmm. And panning back and forth between their faces um, is really, really yeah. skillfully done. Yeah, 
Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I mean, one thing that you mentioned, you mentioned the main character and how he was like uh, thinking about giving up on the court case. Um, by the way, he's played by Sean, uh, Sean Parks, who's been around Hollywood, but I've, I've never seen him in like a lead role like mm-hmm. this. And uh, I thought one thing that was like super interesting about his character is that, you know, he opened this restaurant, the Mangrove, and it became like a cultural spot, like a outlet for his community. But he never wanted to be like a cultural hero. You know, he never wanted to be like... You know the the guy that just people like running a business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he just okay. wanted to like have his restaurant, you know, and like serve the food from back home. And you know, then the cops are like, "You gotta serve cheeseburgers or whatever." And he was like, "No, come on, I'm just trying to just trying to run my restaurant. So Please let me run my restaurant." Yeah, and uh, you know, it's like it's so unjust. And, uh, it's like, you know, that speech that, um, Latino Wright's character play, uh, gave that you guys are talking about was like, so just sometimes you have to step up, you know, and sometimes you have to like be that person and just, it was just told in such a, such a wonderful way. Um, yeah. I mean, Steve McQueen is something else guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's, he really, I mean, he really is on another level. Yeah. I mean, the, I just feel like I feel like Derek, you what you said before about how he's like he's he like shows off, but it's not showy. You know, it's like he he does these things that are so specific and powerful mm-hmm. and real, but like they're also just like movie things. Yeah. And you don't even really realize it in the moment, um, and you don't realize how it's affecting you in the moment until like I don't know. Every once in a while, I would have like this this. Um, you know, I'd be so into the, a scene or the shot and like, it's just so moving. And then I would kind of s- snap out of it a little bit and kind of realize what he's doing and how he's doing it. And it's just like, wow. Yeah. We're also really glad we all got to watch hunger together recently. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. that you guys hadn't seen that before. Mm-hmm. Um, and then with widows Lies and here. this, it's like, we've, yeah, we've seen a lot of Stephen Queen recently and I hope he keeps going. Mm hmm. He's so young. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure he will. Yeah, I'm sure he will. One, yeah, I mean, one more sure thing I wanted to point out is I think um, uh, education was I, it was kind of auto, a bit autobiographical. Uh, I was yeah, actually yeah, reading yeah, his yeah. Uh, Wikipedia page, and it sounds like he kind of grew up um, with dyslexia, and his school system kind of gave up on him and threw him over to this other school that was for, um, I don't know, uh, blue collar workers. And, um, well, they called it like, uh, like what was the, the term in the movie? It was like, uh, uh, le- less than normal yeah. or something yeah. like something pretty offensive. Yeah. Uh, it was, uh, you know, it's basically a school for like disabled yeah. kids, but like back then it was like, and there also were no supports or, rest- you know, guidelines mm-hmm. for teaching disabled people. Yeah. And it was just, a place like a baby city place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If that. Yeah. But, um, yeah, yeah. Good call on that. Um, well, yeah. Do you want to switch over to lovers rock? Uh, Brandon's yeah. book. Let's give it a go. Um, so my favorite of the anthology, uh, was lovers rock. Um, I would think most of you guys gave it second as well, but, um, uh, the IMDb synopsis is, A single evening at a house party in 1980s West London set the scene, developing intertwined relationships against a background of violence, romance, and music. 
it's a really simple storyline. Like this, not much happens in this movie. It all takes place in one night or one day um, from beginning to end. A weird thing that happens with me is the movie I watched like right before this one uh, is a film called Bloody Nose, Empty Pockets. Um, and it's super similar to this. And I watched that like the night before. Um, and okay. while that movie takes place in one night in a the diviest of dive bars in Las Vegas and just the drunk inhabitants there and a very realistic take of what that is. Uh, this movie, you know, like I just said, takes place in the 1980s in West London and um, in one night at a party. It is like so unique and special to me of a film to see like that we just haven't seen anything like this before it's such a like brilliant concept to stage like this hour and 10 minute film around um it's just people like partying and dancing and being sexual and fighting um not really with like an overall purpose but just so you can like be with them and experience this like joyous night with these people um that's like just that as an idea for a film is really exciting yeah i feel like it's that it's really powerful to say that this type of thing uh, like these house parties are kind of equally important to this culture as like the music the people the the way that they interact the way that they have fun and the way that they're they just be people is equally as important as these like heavy drama courtroom dramas and like you know more um you know darker darker ideas i don't really know but i'm guessing they didn't have many other places to do this these specific things and listen to this specific music and eat Mm -hmm. this kind of food besides throwing an event like this you know there's no place out that they could really accomplish this type of thing so it was really cool like stepping into that world for this hour um and i loved that uh the one thing that I noticed uh, Steve McQueen always does, and he did it in a mangrove and his previous films, he does these like very specific wonders. He has long shots throughout all his films, but he does these like long, long shots, like usually once per film that hang for too long and make you like either uncomfortable or make you see something you didn't see before. Like whether it's the um, janitor, like wiping up the piss um, mm-hmm. in hunger um, or the like slave hanging as people like, walk by and barely even notice in 12 years a slave um you know mangrove had that really great shot of when the raid is happening on the mangrove Mm -hmm. in the basement it just lets you see this pot like you Mm. know uh, rolling around on the floor and it just doesn't cut and it just leaves you thinking about what you just saw and what just happened um and there's like this great take when the music is happening in this movie that goes on for so much longer than you think it's going to be. Mm-hmm. And you just like are living with these people, like celebrating um, the night. Uh, and it's, it, are, yeah, it's are you really talking beautiful. about the shot where the music dies out and everyone keeps singing? Yeah. Yeah. That, that was a really powerful scene really and it went on for really way too long, but like perfectly almost to the long. point where I don't know. one like, I don't think anyone planned for it to go on that long. They're like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. They just kept singing that line over and over again. I don't think yeah. Steve McQueen is probably just in the back. Like, we'll just see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. And it just worked and, so well. And I love how they even, he even set that up a little bit earlier 
um, with the the women who are in the kitchen cooking. Yes, that same song, and they and go they to were, that they were high singing register. That same song, yeah. It's I almost a joke. Like was, you um, know, if you can yeah. hit that note to all the people, yeah. like inside joke to all of it's them. It's like I, it totally reminds me of like hanging out and singing uh, like Bohemian Rhapsody and just like this, you know, trying to do what that fr- what Freddie Mercury's doing with his voice and yeah, um, yeah, that yeah. was a brilliant um, sequence it's it's cool like thinking back at this film a few days later like this movie seems long way longer than it actually was to me like it feels like such a full experience from beginning to end and all the rich characters that were that you got to see in this house party um and then you think about it, it's like an hour and seven minutes like what mm-hmm. um there's just so much here and it's so rich and dense uh and you just get small impressions it. of all these characters of so many characters but um the really complex impressions of them and like from the, you know, the bouncer who like really doesn't do anything throughout the movie. doesn't like, there's no arc or plot to speak of that he's involved in, but like you kind of feel like, you know, you kind of know him like him and the, the cousin who comes in and starts causing, uh, you know, causing trouble. Um, and yeah, the friend, her her best friend, who like leaves, yeah, maybe yeah, less than their halfway relationship. through the movie. She want, you know, she just wanted to hang out with her buddy. Yeah. Um, I also I thought the ending was incredible when she, yeah. um, her mom's just like, "Let's wake up for church!" Like yeah. screaming yeah. at her, pounds on the door. Just I knew you would love that ending, uh, Brandon. Like I knew, like that was like, yeah, just that cut was really, yeah, really, really good. Uh, and. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, you know, I loved how this movie was like one complete experience, you know, like how it started with them cooking and it had the whole party from all different angles and then the next morning and, you know, you get that that really like sexy like moment between them, uh, the, those two, they're sneaking off and you, you could just like feel the energy between them and then, you know... Um, I also like really appreciate though that like the movie's mostly like really, really fun. You know, it's mostly just about the party, mm-hmm. but there is like this like subtext of, um, I don't, I don't want to say like, like almost like something ominous, you know, like something could happen, you know, and spoilers, like nothing bad really does happen, but like there is, um, that part where like they're on the bus and you see outside, like the guy carrying a big cross, mm-hmm. you know, when you're like just that alone, you know, especially after just watching mangrove, you're like, uh Oh, mm-hmm. you know, like what, what's that about, you know? And, you see him later on at the end, like he's came back, like they, they see him again, but again, nothing really bad happens, but like it's there. And you know, they're like cops outside the party and you know, you get the sense that this a girl gets this, raped. Uh, uh, almost. Yeah. But yeah, the, you get the sense that this party is like a, um, an oasis for the, for mm-hmm. them. You yeah, know, definitely. It's like, a, it's like a safe place. And like, you, you know, even where yeah, it's you drift so what, too far away, there's like the little hoodlum. Yeah, like, definitely. Like that's what like Brandon was saying. Like this is probably the only, like this is a safe space for the community where they can express yeah. Like even when the, but like right on the out, like right on the other side, it's like, you know, it's, there's, there's trouble just waiting for them as soon as they leave. Like when she goes out after her friend, like as soon as she goes out there, there's, there's people almost waiting for her. And then like, I think when the cousin, was it the cousin is, is first trying to get in, like to get past the bouncer and causing trouble. And like, what did 
does do mm-hmm. cops drive by or they're something? just does driving a cop car drive yeah by? driving by slowing and, down for a second and yeah you know and, he and, pulls and, him in instead of yeah. throwing him out like yeah definitely. just like it's safer it's in like, here even yeah, though you're right kind of on the other side shitty. of that door there's a yeah. world of trouble waiting for them but in here it's like it's I mean, you know, a, a woman almost gets raped, but it's it's a kind of a, a safe communal space in, in a. But even then, like, you know, she that almost happens. But like, um, there's someone there looking out for her. There's people. There's a. It's a community that is largely looking out for each other, and um, that true. was. I love that, like this, that subtext of of it. Whereas, like on the surface, it was just kind of a fun party night. Whereas there's like there's so much more depth to to this movie. Um, Steve McQueen has Sean. You're talking about him like scratching the table during um, his interrogation in the courtroom and stuff. Like mm-hmm. um, he has so many of those. Like in Lovers Rock as well. Like I remember the the beads of sweat like dripping down the wall, and you're just like, what am I looking at? Oh, <laughs> oh, perspiration! Holy shit! Yeah. Like these people are so into dancing and. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. there's a lot of this through the movie. I, there's the scene, the shot, I think it's in all the posters of them on the bike riding. Mm. And it's like the most anti-frame thing. You don't even see the bike. There's like floating through the air, like with yeah. the trees above them. Um, just like so serene looking. He just mm-hmm. like places the camera in like the best positions. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You really unique way to tell a story. This whole movie was, mm. I like that you're like, said it's like kind of a hangout movie and it's it's a at least for me it's really casual movie to watch too like um especially with like it has that that music is playing like really loud pretty much the entire movie like i still i have like the beat is like playing in my head right now because it's like i was literally moving for a lot of this movie yeah like you're i was literally hang like you just feel like you're hanging out with them like the camera's like right there in the crowd and like uh and yeah, music's great. I mean, you could turn this movie. You could turn this movie on and have it be uh, your part. Right. Right. The, yeah, the anthology. Sure. I wanted to say that, like, the tracks throughout all five of these films are very specific, and you can tell he like has a really big passion for choosing his soundtrack, like Quentin Tarantino esque type stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. For real. So uh, yeah, I mean. Yeah, it was. It's great. Um, yeah, I mean, it was definitely the most fun of all the all the small axe ones too. I mean, I was telling uh, a friend earlier before we got on uh, that you know, Lovers Rock is the one where it's not like, you know, it's not super um, serious. You know, it, like I, I mean, I, I mentioned the ominous thing, but I feel like this one, Lovers Rock, is the one where it's it's mostly just a good time. Um, but. I mean, again, I feel like all these movies uh, really capture that that essence, though, of the of the small acts uh, cutting down the tree or whatever. You know, it's carving it's the out small their, community, carving yeah. out their space, their yeah. piece of the pie. Yeah. So um, I don't know. Do you guys have uh, anything else to mm-hmm. add to the small acts or lovers rock? Uh, yeah. Bit. Yeah, for sure. We're a little short on this episode. Cool. Do we want to expand it, it to to anyone want to say anything about the other movies? I was gonna say it's kind of uh, Nick. You mentioned like the <clears throat> the ominous stuff, and after watching Mangrove and following this movie, I guess I didn't realize the the order is Mangrove the first episode because mm-hmm. I definitely watched Mangrove this one first. first. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. 
but I still got that. Not explicit on Amazon Prime. It might be, but I think I just like went straight to it. I think I kind of thought like I had heard better reviews for Mangrove, and so I wanted to save it Mm. for after. Not really thinking that there was a order of any sort. Um, Yeah, I think he put time into into where to place all these movies mm-hmm. and it definitely makes yeah. it makes sense the flow yeah. definitely what is there is there any kind of um time uh <laughs> chronological aspect to that <clears throat> i was they, thinking um, that like up until like the first three definitely are like sequential mm-hmm I believe it's like 60s, 70s, yeah. 80s kind of feeling yeah. to it. Um, but then after that, it's no longer. So Okay. Well, the thing about Alex Weedle, which also, by the way, he is a real person. He's a novelist. Um, so that was kind of a biopic about about him. Um, Alex Weedle, you know, goes through different, uh, goes like I, we were talking about earlier, he goes through these different kind of th- themes a little bit. And uh they they meant during Lovers Rock, I think they mention Alex Weedle's like band. Like I feel like I hear them like shouting for it or like, oh, like wanting yeah. them to play like they're they're like chanting the name of his band. Okay. Um and then, you know, Alex Weedle then is like get he gets arrested for his role in like the revolution mm-hmm. that's coming in in the next in the next phase of it all so um yeah i don't know about the timeline at all about about these movies but um it does make me feel like i don't know you know i don't know enough about this culture i don't know enough about the the history and uh you know there's no movies about this like to me like this is such a unique experience because there aren't there aren't movies about the subject matter and um it's it's another an example for me where like the the subject is so specific but also that makes it universal you know like there's so much like you know themes of racism and police brutality and these things are extremely specific but like they're all things that are are related to today to today and um other movies as well so it's it's pretty um important it feel if the whole small axe thing feels extremely important what'd you guys think about when uh they referenced star wars to john boyega yeah what did he say <laughs> oh he he needs to walk like a he needs to walk like a or no Jedi. that's um the force no he no goes, that I'm was alex Weedle, wasn't force. It? he's like what do you want to be a star what do you want to be a jedi a jedi yeah that, no, that was, uh, that I was think, Red, White, and Blue. Yeah, the, no, I think that they mentioned it uh, in Alex Weedle, too, like when he, when he's teaching him how to uh, how to walk, like his friend's teaching him how to walk uh, like he should in the neighborhood, and, and he says you have to walk like a Jedi or something. Mm. Doesn't he? Am I crazy? I, I just watched that today. I don't remember that. I don't remember morning. that, but maybe. Um. Anyway, I think that we can wrap it up, though. Um, I, I, I think that it's safe to say that, that we all seriously uh, encourage uh, the small lax experience. Mm-hmm, you for know, sure. Watch all five movies. It's, it's worth yeah. it. Um, Derek, uh, including you, man. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. Shame. Um, uh, and, yeah, I mean, I might break my personal rule and, you know, like I saw someone uh, on Letterboxd rank Steve McQueen and they had the small acts as like a whole series 
in there and all five movies. And for whatever reason, like that makes sense to me. You know, like I feel like it is a complete work of art and there's also five movies. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, uh, we can talk about when we do our top tens, but, um, I w I'm curious how you guys are going to do that. If you'll just include one or all five or none at all. But, um, anyway, so that's going to wrap up this episode real quick. Uh, let's, uh, go over what movies we're going to talk about the next episode. So, uh, real quick, uh, Brandon, what movie are, did you pick for, um, for our next episode? I'm picking this film, uh, The Sound of Metal, which I really actually didn't even know it was coming out or what it was all about, but Slash Film, two of them gave it number one and the other gave it number two, and that just blew me away. It has Riz Ahmed in it, and it sounds like a fascinating storyline, and there's hopefully some good drumming in it. Totally. Um... Sean, what movie are you picking? Um, I'm going to do Nomadland. Um, <clears throat> the uh, Francis McDormand movie. Um, yeah, it just looks super interesting. I I've, uh, intentionally know very little about it, but it kind of, from the very little I've seen, it kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, uh, um, Into the Wild type thing, like just someone traveling around the country, meeting people, hanging out. Um, having big thoughts. Yeah. So it's a yeah, very new director. Crazy good reviews. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Crazy good reviews. And it's, um, yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm with you. I barely know anything about it, yeah. but what? crazy good reviews. When, where do we watch it? I was just looking um, it up before. Gonna be, I think it's going to be on Hulu. Okay. Cool. Yes. Um, Derek, what about you? Uh, I'm, I'm choosing uh, Minari. And uh, I thought you were choosing the Tom Hanks, uh, yeah, the Tom Hanks movie. Yeah, well, kind of. You know, I'm in, I'm gonna watch that movie too. So if if people want to check it out, News of the World, directed by Paul Greengrass. But uh, Minari uh, seems to be one of the highest reviewed movies of the year, and um, it's been kind of built up for a while now. And uh, it won top honor at Sunset Sundance Film Festival. Sundance. Sundance. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I mean, that movie's supposed to be great. Um, for sure. And, uh, I'm choosing promising young woman. Um, I, I, again, I, I, you know, I don't know too much about this movie other than like, uh, the cast it's like Carrie Mulligan and, uh, Bo Burnham and Alison Brie. And apparently it like really, uh, juggles tones. Like there are elements of horror movie in it. And I've just heard like a lot of great things from people who I respect. So I'm, I'm really eager to, to watch this movie. Bo Burnham. Um, what? Yeah, Bo Burnham's in it. Awesome. Oh yeah, yeah. So I did um, see that. that's great. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I think this movie. Some people hate it, but a lot of people love it. So I think it's gonna be one of those movies that's like not gonna hit for everybody. But um, you know, I'm really eager for the experience of it. So, uh, promising young woman. So um, with that, uh, I think we're gonna wrap up this episode. So, uh, you know, thanks for listening, everyone, and uh, keep watching. Bye -bye. See ya. See you.